What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the SEO Life podcast. I am here today with Steve Toth, who is the former SEO manager at FreshBooks, but he actually still continues to do SEO for them. And I'm super excited to have him on because he has a ton of experience working with SaaS companies. And he's actually one of the first people we've had on who specializes in that specifically. So I'm excited to talk about how he helped grow FreshBooks, who now has over 600,000 organic search visitors per month, according to Ahrefs. And it's likely much more than that. We can get into that, but super excited to dive into SaaS SEO. And of course, just to uh, pick Steve's brain. So thank you so much for coming on, Steve. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Cool. So um, let's let's kind of start from the beginning here and we'll kind of work our way up to FreshBooks. So um, how did you get into SEO and you know what kind of led you to it? Yeah, so I was working as a copywriter and um, I ended up founding uh, this company's blog that was a software development company and um, just started messing around with uh, keyword stuffing pretty much in like 2010 and uh, got some results and thought this was pretty cool and then um, went on to work for an internet marketing agency where I sort of sat beside the SEO manager and started blogging about SEO while I was a social media manager at the time. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, 2010, so is that about the same time you joined the agency? Yeah, 2011 was when I joined the agency. Okay, so when you were starting out, were you, were you just working on niche websites or what, what were you working on? Yeah, so uh, we were working on primarily SMBs, like sort of the bread and butter of small business SEO, um, you know, plumbers, dentists, plastic surgeons, trades, that kind of stuff. Sure. So you, so obviously you've had a lot of exposure to local SEO too. So you're not just a, a SaaS SEO. <laughs> yeah, this is going back years, but yeah, more recently in SaaS for sure. Okay. So you were with the agency for how long? Um, I was between two agencies for about seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. And then after the agency, well, actually, so you, you switched between two agencies. So then um, how did you end up at FreshBooks? Uh, yeah, so um, I was actually laid off from my uh, last agency and uh, my buddy was in the running at FreshBooks and I didn't apply until he didn't get the job, but he sort of coached me through the entire process, uh, which was pretty cool. And then just ended up yeah, getting the position there. And um, that was around May 2018. Okay, great. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about how um, you actually got hired there because there might be some people who are listening right now. Obviously, you know, uh, given the current climate uh, with COVID, uh, there's probably some people who are thinking about how to get jobs uh, working in house. So what what was that process that you went through? And you know, tell us as much as you can obviously share. Yeah, um, it was uh, you know the 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 posting had come up, and like I mentioned, my friend was actually in the running at the time even though i didn't have a job and uh and ended up just waiting until he was out of the running to get in there and i mean i would say that uh with um in-house it's a lot different than um agency um at the i, I would say it's it's a bit tougher to get in to be honest because um you're, you're they're usually looking for someone who's a bit more senior to to hop into a role um, when, when it, when it comes at least to SEO has been my experience. Uh, but you know, once, um, once you have that experience and, um, you know, you've got some decent results from your career to kind of show, um, 
the the in-house experience is amazing like it's it's uh it's it's a lot less stress like you're able to focus more on one thing um but at, at the same time like if you are in that agency life and and looking to get out of it um i think that can actually really work to your advantage because um at least when i was hired at fresh books the uh, marketing VP made a point to only hire people who worked at agencies. Interesting. Okay. When you talk about experience, um, and you're you're talking about, you know, let let's dive into what how much experience you think someone would need uh, to at least be in the running for a job like at FreshBooks or a company that has you know 300 people, a company of that size. You know, how much experience do you think would be the bare minimum that someone would need to have? I would probably put it at like a minimum of like three to four years. Um, and you know, obviously me going into that role, I was much more senior than that. So I would say like whenever you move to in-house, like if you're uh, a director, you're probably going to become a manager. Um, if you're uh, you know, a manager, you're probably going to become a specialist. It's just at least that's how the what I've seen like at a company like FreshBooks or any other like larger SaaS company is usually um, you don't get knocked down a peg in terms of your pay. Your pay is usually better, but usually for um, each role, they're kind of looking for uh, that senior person to, to sort of come in uh, with a little bit more experience um, when they do hire. Sure. Yeah. And this, you know, this is, I'm going to keep firing a lot of questions about this because it, it's fascinating for me because, uh, you know, when I started with SEO, I didn't, I didn't go that route. I went directly to working with clients. So I never worked in house anywhere. I immediately started my own agency. So, uh, it's interesting to hear a different path. Um, so, uh, you know, when you say, so you, you mentioned years of experience, um, does, the fact that you've actually driven results on campaigns, does that have any weight or is it just about the amount of years that you've been doing it? Yeah, I think, I, I think um, both, you know, it, when, when we, uh, when I applied there and, you know, when we still look for roles, like we look to, for people to present like what they've done in the past and, and show some case studies of, of their work. And then we also ask them to present a case study too, right? So when when that um, person you know comes into the role and, and presents a case study, they're drawing upon their years of knowledge, right? So um, you know th that's that's a hugely important thing that you know is is only gained with experience, um, and that's you know presentation skills. So I would say in addition to just you know having the results to show specifically on a campaign having the ability to communicate um, you know what what you need other people to do for you at an organization is hugely valuable and something that they really look for you know quite a lot sure yeah so probably you know making sure it's also a good culture fit too I'm assuming yeah for sure a culture fit and really just you know the ability to communicate and because ultimately when you're um, at a large company you're not it's not just you who you depend on you it, you really have to sell your ideas, whether that's to executives to get um, more, uh, you know, funding and 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 uh, and budget, or you know, for people in to get buy-in, whether that's a web development team or a design team or whomever. Sure, yeah. So if we let's let's think about um, if someone wanted to go the route that you've gone, do you, would you say that? 
they should probably get hired by an agency first and then try to get hired in-house? Do you think that's a good path? Yeah, to be honest, like I, I really do think that is the best path. Um, it's not impossible. I would say that, you know, if somebody has had their own business and had an entrepreneurial mindset to go into a company like FreshBooks is probably more natural. But if you're just starting out with any, without any of that, uh, it's probably best to, to go through like an agency route and then um, go into uh, FreshBooks or sure. any other side. So theoretically, though, if you um, had spent years working on your own projects um, independently and you had a lot, you had a big portfolio of results, do you think that could replace having to work at an agency? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. I, I, I do think that for sure. Okay, great. So that actually brings me into another uh, question that just came up in my mind is, um, so when you, when you worked at the agency, uh, did you have any side projects going on? outside of the agency? You know, I only started to do the side projects once I lost my job. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, uh, and I had, had been doing them. And when I hired, when I got hired at FreshBooks, I like straight up told them that, you know, I have like one other client at the time and, uh, they were totally fine with that. And then obviously that, that turned into more clients, uh, over the, over the coming years. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I definitely, um, you know, had those side projects. Sure. So, um, with FreshBooks then, so they were okay with you having clients, um, on the side that was, that was appropriate. Yep. I definitely told them before I got hired that that was the case because I didn't want there to be any like, you know, like conflict of interest or anything like that. And they were totally fine with it. Might sure. not be okay. every company, but it was okay with FreshBooks. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if you're working at a a digital marketing agency and you have clients on the side, maybe that's a little bit different, but I mean, fresh books, obviously, you know, you having clients isn't really going to compete with them unless, you know, your client was like bench or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we also have um, like non-compete clauses for bench, sure. so QuickBooks, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how, um, you've been able to grow fresh books and just, just so I'm clear, I want to make sure I, my research is correct here. So you, you worked in-house at FreshBooks from, um, you said about 2017, was that correct? Yeah, no, May 2018, yeah. Oh, 20, okay, 2018. And then when did you stop working in-house um, for them? Uh, March of this oh, year. Oh, March, okay, recently, okay. Um, and they, they're technically still your client or your campaign, right? Yep, I, I work with them a couple days a week uh, now. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. So let's, let's rewind. So basically, um, you, you worked there for about two years before, um, this recent switch. Um, so what was, when you first got hired there, what was like the very first thing that you did? Um, well, just a quick summary of everybody's experience at fresh books. We spend a month in support. So, okay. um, uh, we, we learn the product really, really well. And that's kind of cool. Uh, something that makes fresh books unique. Uh, but one of the, the first things when actually I sat down in my chair was that we were working with an agency who made some really bad recommendations to, um, redirect like 50 pages into one page. Oh. And, uh, and it, actually, <laughs> it actually sunk that page like 
big time. So they were like, Hey, Steve, we need you to QA some recommendations from the agency. And I was looking at it. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> like, let's not do this. And then like, they didn't listen. And we, we ended up making the redirects. And so we actually felt a lot of pain for about six months in my first six months at FreshBooks. And there was a definite decline in traffic um, uh, for, for uh, about, yeah, five or six months until we were able to relaunch that set of pages um, around invoice templates. Sure. Okay. So what was, um, if you can remember, what was the rationale for the agency that said that they should do that? Yeah. So um, we basically had um, a bunch of pages around invoice templates and um, we had our main page, which had unique content and then the 50 or whatever pages they decided that weren't, uh, weren't, weren't any good did have a lot of duplicate content. Like they just had um, headings that were swapped out um, with, with keywords, um, but pr primarily duplicate. And, um, and the thing that they didn't realize was that there was so much potential in these pages um, if we were to create unique content for them and internally link them properly. Um, but, uh, they, they didn't see that and, uh, and just basically felt like, you know, since they were all duplicate, like, let's just 301 them into the main page. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because that's, I, I've recommended a similar strategy before, but not, I would never do it on that scale. Um, and for me personally, like in, when I have a situation like that, it I'll find an opportunity to consolidate it, but it has to be really based on the intent of the keyword. Um, so you can't just like redirect 50 to hundred pages to one page and think that everything's going to be fine. Cause that's a lot of content to consolidate. And likely a lot of those pages have completely different intent. So I'm assuming what you did is you kind of uh, reverse that and, and put those pages back live and then updated the content. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't a painless process. Like the, uh, Google didn't forget about, um, all those 301 redirects. So when they all went to that main page, that main page tanked for quite a while. Sure. Yeah. And you probably, I mean, if any of those 50 redirects that you did, I'm sure a couple of them maybe had some link equity. So you probably got a weird benefit from redirecting for like a second, but then when you pulled those redirects, Google had to recrawl and re-index all that I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was definitely like the case, but our, our, yeah, our site is still like, you know, like very popular site. So um, yeah, those links did have to be recrawled. Uh, but what, what happened was we got like a massive surge of traffic because those pages had actually been ranking, which was the ridiculous thing about it. And, uh, and we got this massive surge because like everything was suddenly redirecting to the main page. And then like it, it tanked like very soon afterwards. And um, we, we were tracking all our keywords and stats. So we had like a really good bird's eye view of, uh, of everything. And then um, just, you know, we, when we reversed all that, yeah, those, uh, that link equity that was being passed um, to those pages was dropped, but um, it, it didn't even um, regain it. Like prior to all those redirects, it didn't regain that traffic until we uh, finally relaunched it with like really optimized content. And then that whole set massive cluster of like 110 pages, all original content with, with um, suited towards multiple, um, you know, different variations of those keywords and, and very intent focused uh, based on the type of invoice template that we were targeting. Yeah. And that's a, 
that is a, a very big project to do that. Um, so you, you had to literally create unique content for every page. Um, and creating, creating clusters like that, especially on that scale, that's, that's a big job. So how long did that take you once you basically decided that, okay, these redirects were not a good idea. How long did it take you to fully execute, um, that strategy overall? I would say like four months. Okay. And then probably took after it was executed, it probably took what three to six months to start seeing the substantial impacts of that. Well, the, the, the cool thing was, um, all of those duplicate pages, they didn't convert very well. Um, so right off the bat, like we started converting way more. So we actually saw our trials, um, grow by uh, like a double, um, grow by a hundred percent in the first month, which to the executives was amazing. Even though our ranking hadn't improved, our conversion rate improved dramatically. Um, so that was an awesome win. And then, um, yeah, it was about, um, like I would say we, we relaunched them right before the, right at like the Christmas break happened and right before the new year is, is when we launched all the pages. And then by about, um, sort of, uh, March, April, we started to gain some pretty good traction. And then, I guess um, the the cool stat that we sort of came up with was um, five or six months into the campaign was that um, within 143 days, we surpassed the entire free trial volume of 2018. Wow. Yeah, that was that was kind of the cool thing. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. And I'm, I think that's a really, you know, what you just said there is a good point for someone who would want to get a job in house is that, you know, really what the executives care about and what the the leadership cares about is going to be try, you know, new trials and customers. Um, so that, you know, the fact that you actually did drive important results for the actual company, uh, that, that makes you much more valuable. And I'm sure that's hence the reason why they've continued to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we, we, um, our acquisition team, um, it wasn't just me, like all of us, um, work really hard. Um, over that year, and we 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 just had a great um, manager, like our director of acquisition, this guy named Chris Cisco, just did an amazing job at giving us, you know, um, the per, sort of protection that we needed within the company to kind of do the things we wanted, and then um, gave us a lot of freedom when it came to actually, you know, um, spending our budget the way we wanted to, and sort of doing the the, the types of projects we wanted to focus on. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of like what, you know, what you would do on a daily basis for them. So I'm assuming you, your position was more of kind of like a strategist and an architect as opposed to a doer. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's where I thrived. Um, And like that's in my prior job where I, I got laid off, like it was very much being asked to be a doer when, when my, my typical day to day, um, you know, fresh books and beyond, um, is really about, um, delegating and also not just delegating, but making sure that whoever I delegate to, I'm setting them up for success with all the right information, tools, and resources that they need. Sure. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So who, who were you delegating to and what was their experience? Yeah. So, um, we, Basically, instead of um, working with that agency that made the, the poor recommendations, um, we started to work with like um, more like specialized people, like um, so different link builders, um, different on-page experts, technical experts, and instead of just going with, with like a one-stop shop. 
Uh, so for us, like obviously we had like a larger budget to work with as well. So that's one of the reasons why we were able to do that. And, um, and it was a lot about like delegating, um, you know, to like specific link builders, um, the type of strategies that we wanted to do. Um, so one of those examples would be, um, you know, over the years, like FreshBooks has been written a lot about um, uh, like, you know, top tools for business owners, um, you know, like, for, you know, different, different, like best of lists kind of things like, you know, the complete like guide to being a business owner would feature FreshBooks as, as to use as one of its uh, tools. So we actually um, sort of curated a list of all these sites and we actually ended up finding 200, uh, sorry, 2000 um, uh, web pages that were featuring FreshBooks in this manner. And, um, and so we reached back out to those, um, those, those pages and, and had them link to um, our invoice templates page as like a free alternative um, to, to FreshBooks. And in a lot of cases, um, these were really old pages. So like they weren't um, really getting like a ton of traction, but the amazing thing was um, they had links because they were so old. Um, so we, we got like, that was, would be one example of like how we delegated um, tasks to a link builder. Sure. Um, so, so were you the only like main SEO that was in house or were there others? I was, uh, when I was hired, I was the only person um, uh, in house. And then we ended up hiring um, a technical SEO manager uh, to basically help with like the build out uh, of all of our pages, working on our site speed and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So really most of the time it was just a lot of subcontracting and you would kind of oversee that. Yep. Pretty much. Um, I, I basically like to like act as sort of like, uh, whatever. It's kind of like my, my client actually told me this, but he said like, you're more like the conductor. And I, I, I do t tend to agree with that. Putting yeah, all that, together. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely true. Um, so, you know, FreshBooks is obviously has a great product. Like they, you can tell they've invested a lot of time and um, of course money into it uh, to make it as, as good as it can be. And that's partly why it's acquired so many links, but how much of a role do you think um, just having a great product has when it comes to link acquisition? Uh, I think it's hugely important. Um, it, I mean, it's hugely beneficial. Uh, it's, it's not like it can't be done without it, but um, you know, when people know your brand, um, they tend to respond more favorably to any requests that you would make, right? Um, so, you know, it was, um, it, it actually went beyond just, you know, um, link building and kind of like um, our, our authority in general, but even just whenever we wanted to work with somebody, they, they knew FreshBooks and, and they were willing to help us out. Or like, you know, I'm very active in the SEO community. And whenever I said, you know, hey, I'm from FreshBooks, um, would you take a look at this page that I'm working on? People are always really like um, eager to kind of help out. So it works in a number of ways, but yeah, I mean, over time, um, you know, building up to be a DR85 website um, would have been really difficult without a strong product. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's, it gives you so many points of leverage, even for yourself, just doing outreach and saying you work for FreshBooks. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the ultimate social proof. So you immediately get uh, your foot in the door uh, without even needing to do really anything else or anything tricky at all, um, yeah. which, is, which is nice. And it's a likable brand too. That's the other big thing too. 
Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, and also, you know, looking at the link profile that you guys have built over time, um, you know, I, I can tell that you guys have done some traditional like advertising on podcasts and things like that. So, um, how much has that contributed to the increase in branded search for you guys? Um, our, uh, our actual branded search, um, it was the, there was an issue at one point where, um, it was pretty like stagnant. Um, but the overall, like, um, working on, uh, like whether we, we've done some, um, like more experimental, like YouTube programmatic type of stuff in, in the States, um, specifically we're, we're up in Canada, but we focus, um, all, all of our marketing on the United States. Um, you know, that stuff helps. Um, the podcast stuff is something that we were pretty much an early adopter on. Um, so a lot of folks, like w when I speak to them or like I say, Hey, I'm from FreshBooks, that's where they know FreshBooks from. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it definitely helps build a lot of awareness and, um, and that's a critical part, even though it's not that measurable, um, in terms of like, you know, acquiring customers, um, the, the way, the way, you know, paid search would be, for example. Yeah, that's, that's what's tricky about it because you can't really measure directly measure the impact of your advertising on pod, you know, on a podcast. Cause it's, it's obviously a branding initiative, but you, you can measure the, the definite increase or decrease in branded search. Um, you know, if you're, if you start a campaign and your branded search is, is climbing, then you, you turn it off and it falls, then, uh, you can <laughs> possibly conclude that it was working in that way. Um, and so as far as conversion rates, do, do the branded searches convert better? Of course, it's difficult. We don't obviously have all the um, keyword data anymore, but based on what you guys, um, your, your backend data, did those convert really well relative to informational queries, for example? Um, so, sorry, you're saying like branded search, does that um, uh, convert better? Or are you talking about like bottom funnel search? Uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not so much like FreshBook, you know, FreshBooks login, which would be just a navigational, but maybe something more like FreshBooks first bench or whatever. Um, yeah. something more comparison like, yeah, uh, we're actually working on revamping our comparison pages, uh, right now. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. Um, you know, though it's a bit tricky in the accounting space because people tend to try out a lot of different things. So even if our conversion rate to trial is high, they could be trying a bunch of different uh, softwares uh, for, for that reason um, with, with those types of searches. Um, but, you know, generally like I can't speak for exact conversion rates, but um, we, we have done a lot to improve um, our, our visit to trial and then, um, with regards to trial to paid, um, we have some like predictive modeling um, that that helps us um, because our like upgrade cohort um, is going to be more than just like 30 days. Let's say for example, um, you know th that uh, um, that period it's it we would otherwise have to wait um, a long time to to be able to predict whether or not those users are actually going to upgrade. Whereas we can, you know, look at how they use the app and try to predict that a little bit sooner to inform our decisions. Sure. Yeah. So, um, obviously getting a little off track as far as SEO, but, um, how long does a typical customer stay with FreshBooks? Do you, do you have Intel on that? Um, yeah, we do, but I, I can't really comment on that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Um, 
so let's let's switch gears here. Um, so if you were if you were starting today, obviously, and you had literally no budget, um, and let's just say let's say you got laid off. Let's give you a really um, doomsday scenario here. Um, how would you go about making online making money online with SEO? Yeah, I I think um, you know the answer that I thought about um, was actually like going and again like working for somebody. But since we already kind of talked about that, um, I'd be looking at you know um, if you have no money, maybe you don't have Ahrefs, but um, looking at uh, you know long tail long tail queries for very niche industries that. Um, don't have a lot of good search results on on page one. So when when you're looking at like any commercial intent terms, um, you know you're likely going to find like people. There's like a CPC that's attributed towards them. There's probably you know a num like a number of sites in the top twenty that are all sort of optimizing towards that term. But I, I think what you have to do if you're just starting out is you have to keep going with the long tail until you don't find. Um, that uh, there are a lot of pages competing, right? So with no budget, you're gonna um, lack links. So you're, you're, you're gonna have to be re uh, ranking, relying on uh, your content quality. And if there's simply like a bunch of other sites in, on that SERP, then you're gonna have a hard time breaking in at the beginning. So trying to find that really long tail variation that still could result in sales um, uh, where other sites are, aren't, uh, showing is probably where you want to go. And an example of that would be um, like, let's say you're um, a roofing company or something like that. And um, you actually want to optimize towards like, how much does it cost to fix a roof in my city, right? Like people aren't typically optimizing for those types of terms. So those are the kinds of things that you have to look for. Sure. Yeah. So you, if you had to go back, you'd probably just try to get a job in house again, probably just go the same exact route, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so, because um, that way, you know, you are, um, you're basically uh, able to um, learn uh, from from the agency or whoever you work with. Um, and uh, that that's sort of irreplaceable that on the job knowledge. Okay, cool. Um, so you kind of already talked about some challenges you faced uh, at FreshBooks, obviously that initial uh, whole redirect uh, dilemma. Is there anything else that kind of stands out as a challenge that you faced that you've overcome with SEO? Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, during that summer when those redirects happened, we also had the opportunity to pitch for an incremental budget increase, which we ended up getting. Um, but the thing is like, to be honest, like we didn't really know what we were going to do with it. Um, and, uh, and my boss had said, you know, I want you to produce like a thousand articles. And that, that's all he said to me. That was the, that was the challenge. Right. And I was like, Oh man, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you know, where do I start kind of thing? And, um, and that, that was the, the challenge that was posed to me. Um, so what I ended up doing was um, sourcing like uh, hundreds of questions uh, based on people also ask for like accounting, entrepreneurship, um, invoicing, whatever. And, um, and we ended up, uh, we didn't write a, a thousand, but we wrote 550 articles um, all straight from the uh, Google's people also ask. And, um, and that is what's actually contributed to that like 600K uh, per month 
uh, traffic that that you saw in, in Ahrefs. Yeah, that, that's that's a terrific idea. Um, did you did you just do it directly from Google Search? Or did you use like Answer the Public or some other tool? Um, we we used uh, we we used Google Search, and then we were able to um, basically. Um, run a script to to grab all of the uh all of the different questions and then we check those questions um, against uh, different search volumes and search volume obviously as you know doesn't always tell the full story so it's not like we've ruled out anything that had like zero but um and then and then what we did after that was just group um in in all those questions together and um so if there were like three related questions we would sort of take the one that was had the high search volume, make that the, the title in H1, and then um, use those other um, related questions as uh, H2s and actually jump links uh, within within the content. Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good way to do it. Um, okay, so let's see here. Um, so let's talk about the future of SEO. Where, where do you see it going and um, you know, what are your predictions? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> you know there was a, a while there in the in the 2010s where um, you know there has there was not like people were saying that there were two million blogs being published a day on WordPress, and obviously that times 365 times a decade means there's a hell of a lot of content um, being produced, right? So I kind of feel like most topics have been covered really well um, online, and um, you know even if that's the case, like let's say that were the case five years ago and you looked at a SERP for a given keyword, maybe that domain rating of the sites that were ranking were between like 20 and 60 or 20 and 100 even, or 20 and let's say 90. But the point is there were still like lower sites ranking. Over time in this five years, um, there have you know, been a lot of very um, skilled content managers working at larger sites, working at larger companies, um, writing those types of articles, creating that type of content, and um, and you know it doesn't spell really it doesn't spell a, a very nice picture for the sites that have lower authority. Um, so I, I kind of see um, SEO becoming really difficult if you don't have a strong brand, if you are just completely reliant on SEO to build your brand. Um, that you that you need like a like not in all cases a good product, but um, in many cases, like a strong product, strong personality behind your brand um, to, to sort of get those natural links that are eventually going to help um, bolster all the um, other types of link building that you do. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gotten a lot more competitive, especially recently. And it's, you know, some of these websites, they, uh, they're not going to be moving and they're not going to be dropping many spots because they're so strong. So um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really good point. Um, so right now, since now you're technically not working in-house at FreshBooks, what does your average day look like? Um, it's also a lot of delegating, right? So I've got um, a few freelancers who work for me in, in various capacities, some on social media, some on you know competitive research, some um, writers and stuff. So basically I'll um, just you know do my best to give them like all the info um, that they need to do a great job. And um, just sort of moving parts around is, is I think my main part of my day. And then um, I'm always like, 
you know, chatting with people within the industry. Um, just always, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the ways, um, that, that I love to kind of get knowledge is just like, obviously share knowledge is one thing, uh, but I'll also, you know, receive that, um, from other people as well, because there's some level of reciprocity going. Sure. Yeah. So are you, are you working with other clients outside of FreshBooks as well? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, um, eight or 10 clients, not all, um, like recurring, but um, yeah, they all work with me in various capacities right now. And I didn't think that it was going to go um, this well with COVID, but it's gone extremely well and I'm pretty happy. Yeah, that, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. So um, let's talk about real quickly SEO Notebook. What, what, what is that all about? And if people want to sign up, what, what can uh, they expect from it? Yeah, so SEO Notebook is something I started a year ago. Um, while still working full-time at FreshBooks. And um, the idea was like, I'm very passionate about SEO. It's like um, something I spend probably like you, Nathan, large parts of my day thinking about, if not always in the back of my head somewhere. And, um, and you know, I really didn't have a good place to keep my information. So I just thought maybe I would try Evernote. And then pretty much the day after I, I tried Evernote and started, you know, cataloging all this different stuff in there, um, I thought like it would be cool to just like once a week, just email one page from my notebook out to a list. And um, up until now, it's um, grown to about 3,800 people in one year subscribing. So it's a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah, that's great. So are you, is it just now just a total value add, but do you have any, um, you know, plans of monetizing in the future? Um, I'm doing a couple sponsorships right now, only if like the, it's, if I feel that it's a good fit and it is a value value add for my audience. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, um, I just bought the domain SEO notebook.vip the other day and just having some uh, ideas in the back of my head right now. Um, but yeah, just for, for, for now, it's really just a, a brand building thing. Um, you know, it's done so many great things for, for my career and, and not going super commercial or membership site or anything like that yet. Uh, but I, I do see, um, some things like that potentially in my future. Yeah, that's great. So I know, um, that you, you go pretty hard on LinkedIn. So, um, what do you have a schedule that your you know, editorial calendar, or is it just kind of when you are inspired? Uh, so with, yeah, LinkedIn has been an amazing like source of, um, clients for me personally. And, um, the one thing that I, I don't have a specific calendar, but one of my notebooks in Evernote is just called the LinkedIn queue. And whenever I have ideas for posts, I always just put them in there. And then, um, usually, uh, like on a Monday or a Tuesday, I, I post something out, um, on LinkedIn and yeah, it's the engagement has been great. And, um, yeah, the, it's just, it's an amazing uh, tool if you're an agency owner or, just, you know, looking to do freelance and stuff like that. It's a bit of a slow burn, but um, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a great channel. Yeah. So is it, have you found that once a week is a pretty good frequency? Yeah. One, once a week, but like making sure that you're actually, you have something to say, right? So it's, it's not just a brag. It's not just like um, sharing an article without any commentary. Um, it's got to be something like truly insightful. Yeah. And have you seen um, a difference between posting just native content that's like, you know, text-based, no links versus posting a link? Do you see a reduced engagement um, with links? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's actually within the LinkedIn algorithm to um, 
discourage people from posting links because it takes you away from their platform. Um, so if you can put a link in your comment, like that's one of the reasons why people kind of say link in the comments because they know that if they put a link in the body of the post, it's going to get less reach. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty consistent across all social media at this point. They do not want to, you to be linking out, especially on Twitter too. Like when you post a link on Twitter, your reach is just abysmal. So, um, yes, well, that's, that's totally interesting. So a couple more questions. Um, how do you, how do you learn? Is it all through experience or it, do you have, you know, do you do a lot of reading? Do you do a lot of watching? How do you, how do you go about learning? Um, I test my ideas. Like I test them in the wild. I don't really do single variable tests, but I, I, I pick, you know, pages or I pick things to experiment on um, just to, you know, see if things work. Right. So um, that's definitely one major way that I, I think I learn and, and, uh, and can gather a lot of insight and working with a site like FreshBooks too, where we have that 550 pages like if you comb through those you'll probably notice a couple things we're testing um, but uh, there's that and then just like I mentioned about um, being involved in the community um, there's a lot of people who come up to me and say uh, I want to share something with you but you can't put this on SEO notebook so um, you know I'm always all ears and obviously respectful of that when that happens uh, but I think the, the broader point there is just um, to constantly be giving value to others and they'll give it back to you. And, and that's kind of um, where I find like my Facebook messenger chats are actually the place where most of my super valuable info is, is uh, originating from. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's good. It's good to have relationships with people who are, you know, also doing testing because that can really expand, you know, even what you're working on too. So so if uh, people want to learn more about SEO Notebook, learn more about what you're doing, want to become your client, you know, any, all that good stuff, where can they find you? Um, yeah, seonotebook.com is probably the best place to start. Um, if you subscribe, you'll get all my notes. And if you want to just reply um, to any of my notes, I read all of them. And, um, and then there's also a contact form on there. And uh, my social profiles are also linked out from there. Um, just search my name, Steve Toth, T-O-T-H on LinkedIn and uh, SEO underscore notebook on Twitter. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Steve. And that was a ton of value. And I know um, hopefully you can get a couple SaaS clients out of this. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Nathan. Really appreciate it.